Hi, this is Violet Lang. Welcome to my podcast, The Pleasure Path, all about love, dating, relationships, and femininity. I help successful spiritual women find their pleasure and their power to create healthy partnership. In this episode, Alistair Moose of Moose Anger Management is our special guest. We dive deep into the gifts and curses of anger, conflict, and the range of emotions in the human experience. Welcome, everybody. I am so excited and blessed to be here with Alistair Moose. He is an expert on anger and does work with hundreds and hundreds of men and women in this topic. So really excited to dive in with him. Alistair, welcome. And would you mind introducing yourself? Sure. Thanks. And and great to be here. Um, I've been running an anger management business for 23 years up here in Vancouver uh, and, and area, uh, in Canada. And we see all sorts of men, more men, but we're seeing more women lately. And we run groups in three different cities here and see people internationally all over the world, uh, over different platforms. And, uh, with our small team, we see about 600 people every year and the, the business keeps on growing and it seems like there's there's interest out there and i am sometimes asked about how it made sense for me to get into all of this and the more i do my own work on my own anger and history the more i realize that it's very much about related to what i observed and witnessed growing up which was not the greatest way to deal with your anger and uh not the greatest way, uh, how to express the emotions that are in us. And so part of me doing all of this work is because I recognize there's an awful lot of men and women who didn't have great role models growing up. And I think sometimes I'll get uh, a younger person coming in to see me. And, and I think to myself, I wish I had somebody like me to talk to when I was that guy's age instead of not really having any guidance whatsoever or not healthy guidance regardless. That, that's what I do. I talk to people and have the conversations that I think are, are really important for people to have so that they, uh, they learn what they need to learn so that they can navigate through life and, around all the emotions, but uh, specifically anger is what brings people our way. About 99% of the people that come our way, there's been some big anger outburst and uh, they're coming to see us because they don't want want that to happen anymore. Sometimes it meant they ended up um, spending a night in jail. Uh, More often they were sent by their partner or by their business because they crossed a line significantly and we can turn that into learning and growth. Uh, Because often the person is really open to doing that because they don't want to go back there again. They don't want to hurt the people they love or themselves, depending how and where it all happens. I'm just so grateful that you are doing this work in the world. I can imagine it's just more and more important with everything that's going on in society 
and it isn't touched by the deep healing that that creates then in relationships and workplaces and and -hmm. families. So thank you for sharing that. So can you explain um, your perspective? Like how is anger helpful for us? And then when is it toxic or not helpful? Yeah, well, just just to touch on what you just said, I I know that in Canada the percentage of uh, adults with hypertension, high blood pressure, goes up every year, and I'm just mm. guessing it's the same in the U.S. <laughs> uh, just a guess. I would bet. I think a somewhat <laughs> educated guess, and. Um, and I talk to people about social media and how people lose themselves when the anger rises up in them. I think that we dehumanize the other person when the anger really runs us. And when we do that, we also dehumanize ourselves because we're not connected to the the humanity in us. We're not connected to our heart in those moments or even the big picture or our, our intelligence. And in those moments where the anger takes us over, we end up losing perspective. And all we can see is that we have to get our way in that moment. We have to win. Sometimes we're so stuck on our principles that we harm the people that we love rather than connect to the fact that you know, we care deeply for them. And so, mm. uh, so I really appreciate, you know, when, when people are willing to take the courage up to talk about this stuff, because, you know, we also need anger in this world. People need anger. It is the guardian of our boundaries. It helps us speak up and sometimes they stop. And sometimes it helps us speak up and say, this is wrong. And if we use that anger wisely, then we talk to people with a connection to our heart and our intelligence, and we do something uh, potentially profound with it. Every major movement in history, whether it's about uh, sexism or racism or civil rights or many other things, all of these movements happen because people were angry. Uh, Often people come to me because they're angry at themselves. Because they've hurt the mm-hmm. people they they love, and they're upset because they can't figure it out, and they've tried to figure it out on their own over and over again without success. Sometimes having read books, sometimes having done all sorts of things, and it seems that fitting together with a group of men or a group of women and having uh, open, vulnerable, courageous conversations about all of this. Um, allows people to connect more with themselves and act from their core rather than their ego. Beautiful. Yeah, that really resonates with me. And what I'm hearing in that is anger as a way to connect to yourself and create change within yourself, but also change within the system. I really liked how you talked about the importance of healthy anger for these, um, you know, these changes that needed to be made throughout history. And do you find that there's a new, you know, I guess, level or a new um, interest with everything that happened in the last few weeks around the Kavanaugh case in the States? Well, there's certainly been a lot of anger. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, 
And it's interesting watching how people express that anger. Because sometimes it's expressed with a lot of eloquence and clarity and humanity and honesty. And sometimes that anger is expressed with a lot of blaming and attacking and gnashing of teeth and crying and screaming and acting like a five-year-old. So we get to witness where somebody's anger is taking them or where they're allowing the anger to take them. And some people speak up really well and use that anger to become very focused and determined. And other times, Brett Kavanaugh being the obvious example, you know, crying and screaming and basically having a temper tantrum um, is more appropriate for a three-year-old than somebody in their 50s. And what do you do when you are working with someone who's not, who, like you said, is letting the anger uh, take them somewhere instead of being uh, a steward of the anger? Yeah, well, it, if the person is motivated and they're open to really honestly looking at that part of them that wants to have a temper tantrum, that part of them that wants to yell and scream, then they can get to know that part of them. Mm -hmm. They can understand potentially where it comes from. I mean, for most of us, we learned it growing up by observing our parents act or not act, um, allow us to be in dangerous situations or um, control us so much that we didn't learn where the boundaries were or just let us run around and, and as if there were no boundaries and then we don't really learn where you know where that line is, where to stop, where to uh, control that part of us because we all have this part of us that wants to act out, that wants to scream and yell and rant and rave and it's a very young part of us. And if we get to know that, then we get to know this, you know, we, we get to know ourselves deeper, but it takes a lot of vulnerability and some humility. And, and often it, I think it's based in love because if the person really loves those that they're with their partner, their family, what have you, then they're much more willing to do this because they feel so badly for having crossed that line and hurt them. And so, so if they're willing to look at all of that, then, then there's different things we can do so that we uh, really okay. help tune the person into that, you know, little boy or little girl that wants to have a full on temper tantrum and not shame them for having that. We all have that within us. It's, that, you know, there's moments where we need the adult firmly in charge and yes. getting to know what that feels like, getting to know how we hold ourselves, what we do with our thoughts, what happens in our emotions, where, you know, how those emotions move through the body. You know, if we become intimate with all of this within ourselves, then 
we can use that anger for something helpful and we don't allow it to run us completely. Generally, when people come my way, they've done something that they, um, yeah, they don't feel very good about it usually. And, and it's because in those moments they acted from a very immature place and had a big temper tantrum and, and hurt those that they cared about. And often alcohol is involved. Mm. That, that's a whole, that's a whole nother line, but yeah. Yeah. I want to dive deeper into what you were saying about shame, both not shaming the part of us that wants to have the temper, but then also what I was hearing is maybe people coming in contact with the shame that they feel for how they behaved as part of the catalyst of them coming to you. So can you talk a little bit more about shame and, and what you see in that? Yeah, well, shame is almost always behind anger uh, when people have acted poorly. And anger, uh, shame rather, when we work well with shame, because every emotion we can do something constructive or helpful with it or something destructive or uh, we refer to it in, in the, the book we've written on this topic uh, as toxic shame. And when toxic shame is present, it, it feels like the end of the world. It feels this like this incredibly uncomfortable exposure that if anybody found out the truth, you know, it's like we've done something bad and we just, we can't talk about it. We can't face it or we'll die, or at least that's what it feels like. And when we do something healthy with the shame, it connects us to our conscience and we see a bigger picture. We connect, uh, connect to our heart. We can feel and see the harm that we've done and we take responsibility. So you can hear and feel that the adult is standing up and and facing. He's not dropping his gaze and, and looking at his feet. He's facing the person that he's hurt. He's, he's allowing himself to feel all of that. And, and he's still willing to take the courage up to actually look at that person and make repairs. Do whatever is needed so that he can repair as, as much as he's able to. Um, that That's not always easy or sometimes even possible, but the person decides to do the best they can uh, given the, given the circumstances. And often that, that also means that we reach out to somebody who has some expertise in that area, because if we didn't learn about this growing up, it's like we don't know the terrain. We we need a guide to help us through the stuff that we've never had to deal with before, and uh, you know and th that's just so common. I was talking with a you know very successful businessman this morning, but he just didn't learn how you know what to do around boundaries and intimate relationships and around addiction, and he's still learning. And, and we're all learning. It's a, you know, hopefully it, it's a, it's an ongoing process that people work with for the rest of their life. But looking at our own shame isn't something I learned at growing up. I learned avoid looking at your own shame and hope that it goes away. <laughs> if, if there was a big blow up in my house growing up, 
the next morning, I'd be this little kid sitting there eating my breakfast cereal. And everybody would just pretend like nothing happened. From yes, my perspective, as a kid, the yeah, I'm, I'm like two thumbs up from the kid here. But when I, when I carried that into my adult relationships, it just didn't work the same. It didn't really work mm-hmm. when I was a kid either. The same things happened over and over again. But that became my default. So whatever people's or default is or whatever they learned growing up becomes their, their go-to unless they really take the time to look at all of that uncomfortable stuff that, that we've done and, and just get to know it. Not by shaming ourselves for having done all those stupid, insensitive things, even though, you know, it, it's like, well, this is part of the human process. We make a whole bunch of mistakes. It's what we do after the mistakes that makes a difference. So, you know, most of us make the same mistakes over and over and over again. But usually it's a really big mistake and all of a sudden it hits us and we and and we we do something so that we learn from that one. We we look at the shame, we feel it all, and we get it, right? We 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 start to learn something and then we grow up a little bit more. We have more experience in life. We know how to navigate that area. And often when people get it all of a sudden, then they, they look at themselves and say, what an idiot. Why, did, why couldn't I see that before? <laughs> and it's like you're climbing up a mountain and you've climbed up a few extra steps and all of a sudden you, you, you can see things differently. And you couldn't see it before because you were lower on the mountain. Maybe you were in the clouds. You couldn't see anything. But you can get up a little higher and then everything changes. And you you know, and, and then it's harder to slip back down. Totally possible, of course. But you've seen the that from that perspective. And then and then what I would do, certainly more so when I was younger, I'd say to myself, Oh, I've I've got this totally figured out now. But soon enough reality <laughs> would come along and give me a good slap in the in the face. And eventually I figured out, oh, okay, so we never really get it all figured out. And that's part of the beauty of it because we get to continue learning. And and I continue learning and and i've been doing this work for a while and and i'm and and i'm happy to continue learning Mm. i so appreciate your commitment to yourself and this body of work and humility as well it's it's refreshing and so important i feel like from teachers and leaders and those that are committed to transformation so i know we've been talking a lot about anger and shame and the importance of dealing with those. What are some of the positives or some of the benefits when a couple has a good, clean relationship with their own anger and with conflict as a couple? Well, then if, you know, clean anger would be when one person is able to speak up with anger, but without hostility, without name calling, without uh, insulting. And express that anger in a way that doesn't scare the other person, that isn't full of threat, but that you can speak up. And, and you know, sometimes doing couples work, it's really helpful for 
one person in the couple to really hear the other person's anger. I mean, it's it's also connected to compassion and to um, you know, like it's it never sits alone. The anger is connected to pain and fear, and it's also connected to vulnerability. It's like we're exposing our anger. Some pe- sometimes people are really re- reluctant to do that because they grew up and they learned that well, you, you can't show that. And so people just hold it in and hold it in. And so when they actually express the anger and open it up, the other person can actually see what, what they've done that's hurt them or left them angry, left them feeling afraid, uh, left them feeling ashamed. And so the people can step into a, a deeper intimacy, a deeper connection, because they've opened up about it. You know, like we, we need to open up to the other person about all of these things, you know, fear and shame and pain and uh, our, our sadness, um, our, uh, our mistrust of ourselves and of the other. That's, that's a, a, a tough one. People hold these, hold these, hold on to these things because they're afraid. And uh, when we hold the emotions in, you know, the the emotions are very physical in us. We breathe differently with each emotion. You breathe differently with sadness and grief than you do with joy and happiness. And you breathe mm. differently with anger. You feel uh, you breathe differently when shame is holding a lot of space in your in the core of your body, usually around your solar plexus. And all of these yes. emotions need expression. That's what they they just need healthy expression. And so, if we speak them up in a you know at the right time in the right way with the right person, then this stuff moves through us. And, and there's some dignity that there's uh, it can be done with compassion and connection. Or if we don't express it, you know, wisely, then it all comes out at the wrong place at the wrong time. Or we hold it in and it comes out of us sideways through a, a manipulation or passive aggression or um, sarcasm. Or if we just hold it in, then it can turn into ill health, stomach problems, uh, immune system problems, uh, what have you. So uh, that's more likely to happen if we're passive. If we're expressing the anger out all the time, it's more likely to have an impact on your heart or on your, uh, or on your immune system. Whereas if we hold it all in, it's more likely in our stomach, in our digestive mm-hmm. system. But there's generalizing, of course, you know, it, it occurs differently in, in different people. But uh, uh, I, I've seen a lot of people with uh, irritable bowel syndrome. And for anybody that doesn't know what irritable bowel syndrome is, it, it means you need to be near the bathroom all the time. And it's like what's happening in your guts is, is uh, kind of out of your control. And what happens in the body is usually a reflection of what's happening outside in our life. So if somebody is paying attention to somebody else or other events or other things that are beyond their control and all of their attention is on their partner or on money or on 
uh, other stuff that really we don't even have full control over ourselves, let alone somebody else. And the more we attend to what we're, we have no control over, the more out of control we feel. The more mm-hmm. our heart rate goes up, the more our uh, anxiety level goes up, um, our blood pressure goes up, et cetera. And when people just start to do more focusing on themselves, and what they do actually have control over, that changes. But what happens in the stomach is that the cellular lining in your stomach, whenever, when we're going into fight or flight, you know, things happen in your belly. You either get butterflies as you're stepping onto stage uh, to speak mm-hmm. in front of people, or you end up, uh, if, if things are going really in, in a really stressful uh, direction, and you're really focused on what's going to happen and you can't control any of it, then sometimes it, it, uh, our stomach ties up in knots. And if this is happening frequently, well, the, the problems it causes uh, are because the cellular lining in your stomach replaces itself every three to five days, brand new cells all the way around. And it does this because we have all these uh, acid and enzymes and stuff in the stomach. So we need new cellular lining. But if this doesn't happen, uh, if we don't have enough blood flow coming to this part of the body because we're so stressed out over months or years, then we become at higher risk for irritable bowel syndrome or gastritis or um, you know other intestinal uh, issues. And I've had multiple people, after they've created some change in their life, sometimes leaving a really toxic situation, all of a sudden their stomach's just five years of crazy stomach, and then all of a sudden everything's completely fine. So what we do with our anger, what we do with our emotions, has a tremendous impact on what's happening internally in the body. And our job Absolutely. is to listen, to listen to what's happening in our our belly, in our sternum, in our chest, in our shoulders, in our jaw, in our neck, uh, throat, what have you, back, all the all these things, and uh, and it's really nice, you know, from my perspective, I get to witness people finding a way to be kind to their family members and kinder to themselves and typically take better care of themselves as far as you know eating healthier and drinking less alcohol and caffeine and uh, just you know treating themselves like they actually care for themselves i'm uh, i'm on instagram and i and i wrote the other day uh something about the relationship you have with yourself is long term be kind. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I find that a lot of a lot of uh, resentment and anger comes from when we're putting other people's needs ahead of our own, and then we have these expectations and um, pain and and all of that. So I love that you're highlighting the importance of self care and tending that relationship with yourself is is such a deep reservoir of healing and trust and then ease in your other relationships. Yeah, well, and and so many men grew up learning to treat their body as if it's a machine, 
that it doesn't need any tending. I can ask a group of men. So what do you guys do for self-care? And they look at me, <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> and one guy mm -hmm. says, like, like he's looking around the room, like, so nobody will see him. Sometimes I take a bath and I put nice music and candles on. <laughs> I've had guys say this in the group. Take some courage for a guy. Mm -hmm. But, you know, when men are really honest and they take the time to look after themselves, they recognize that it makes a tremendous difference for them. I had one guy come to see me who was 82. And he, wow. was, and he was giving of himself to his to his wife, to his kids, to his grandkids, and his wife wasn't well, and he was taking her around to all these different uh, medical appointments, and uh, and he lost it one day, and and I asked him, I said, well, what do you do where you just don't think about anything? What do you do in your life where you feel inspired? And he says, well, I do woodwork. Said, okay, well, tell me about that. And he talked about how he made these special paddles called Greenland paddles that have to be these wooden, perfectly balanced paddles. And he showed one of his daughters how to make them. And, and they had downsized, but he still had to work, you know, somewhere where he had where he could work with wood. And I said, so before you lost it, how much time had you spent in, you know, in your woodworking shop? And he looked at me and he said, none. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, you need to spend more time doing that. That's where your your energy comes from. Your, you know, we need, you know, the the, the word inspiration, the root of it means to breathe life into. Yes. So many people come to anger management because there's so many problems and all they're looking at is what's wrong and they stop doing hobbies and they stop doing photography or sports or exercise and they're just so wrapped up in everything that's wrong that they they lose the stuff that life is made out of it. They stop doing music or art or things like that and and it's so important for them to to step back into doing the things that that feed life into them, because anger can distract us from all of that, and we uh, we lose perspective. Mm-hmm. I wholeheartedly agree, and that's that's why my business is called the Pleasure Path. Is not that we want to just focus exclusively on pleasure, but when we lose touch with what brings us pleasure in life then we just get dull and on autopilot and guaranteed that if we focus on what replenishes us, of course, life will give us situations and circumstances and relationships, which will wake us back up to this charge and, and these emotions we need to pay attention to. So it's not like it becomes rainbow and butterflies, but it is about addressing what brings us joy as much as it is about working through the things that are more difficult. Yeah. Well, and, and with the emotions, I think that we have to, if we want to really love deeply, we need to be able to be with our fear. I yes. I think of love and fear as walking side by side. 
Because mm-hmm, if you mm-hmm. really love somebody deeply, it's kind of scary because you could lose them. It might yes. not work out the way that you want. And so for many men and, and some women, they get into a relationship and they find that they really are falling in love with this person. And perhaps they start to have conversations that are very vulnerable and open. And they're going to a place that they haven't been before. This is more open and vulnerable than ever. And that can be pretty scary and anxiety provoking and uncomfortable. So at least some of the people that come to see me then do something I've done in my history, which is throw a big bomb into it all. Everything blows up and then there's a whole bunch of drama. And I was like, all right, now I'm back in my comfort zone. <laughs> and, yes, uh, I've totally the, dropped the grenade. That's what Jason and I call it. Like, don't drop the grenade. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The the inner saboteur comes out. And, mm-hmm. and it's only through having conversations about this and recognizing, oh, so this doesn't just happen with me. No, lots of us. Uh, end up going down that path and and then being able to notice the little kid part in you who's getting all anxious and wants to blow it all up and looking after that part of yourself yes it's like we uh we we step up to the edge of our trauma where it gets kind of scary and either we notice that we're there and we soothe ourselves and remind ourselves that it's okay. Like the adult part of me is going to run the show here, and I'm going to figure out what to do if I haven't already. And sometimes that means consulting with somebody, or maybe it means going on to YouTube. I'm not sure. But all I know is that the little kid in me, uh, I need to keep him safe so that he's not being, you know, because he doesn't feel safe if he's left running the show. And when the anxiety really runs up, it's like, you know, as the anxiety runs up, our emotional maturity level drops. And if the anxiety gets high enough, then we definitely get down into single digits and uh, act in a way that's kind of childish. I know I've seen that in myself and and we're all human and so we can go there. But I love the idea of self-soothing, working with your inner child. And I want to ask about something in a slightly different direction i want to ask about your thoughts on any gender differences and how mm-hmm. anger shows up the way we we relate to it uh yeah can you talk a little bit more about that well having run uh many anger management groups uh for and we, we do anger management groups for women or we do anger management groups for our men so we don't we don't mix them together and when there is an anger management group for women, you put Kleenex out. When there's an anger management group for men, you put the Kleenex away. And you put the That's Kleenex away because it's, in, because it's intimidating for men to see a box of Kleenex. Like, what the fuck are we going to do here? Like, you know, it, it, it feels way too vulnerable, especially in the first couple of sessions. Um, whereas a group of women are going to somebody's going to cry in that first session, if not more than one or two women, and it's okay. And so typically women have 
more experience with the emotions. They've had more conversations about the emotions. And so they're able to go deeper on, you know, just as, as a group. You know, in general, there's more emotional maturity there. Certainly not always. And it doesn't mean that they can't go into more emotional immaturity at certain times either. But just in general, it, there's more access to that. And it also uh, seems to me that more women are becoming more comfortable with the idea that women can be angry and it doesn't mean that you're crazy. You know, like, um, you know, historically, you know, angry man. Oh, well, you know, he's just, he's angry. He might even be seen as powerful. Whereas angry woman, usually the, the historic image that would come up for many people would be, She's uh, crazy. And we all feel all the, the emotions. And we're much more similar than different, but we have different training. And so men are better at talking about anger. It's, it's easier. Although, um, you know, it's, it's, it's all generalizations. But I've been also reading just about how there are more and more books about women and anger and how that anger is uh, important. You know, it's not just justified. It's important that that anger is expressed loudly because when anger gets expressed well in an intimate relationship or loudly in, you know, in a more public with bigger number of people, um, it can shatter through things. It sometimes need to be, needs to be spoken out loud with some energy so that it can break through the, you know, people's defenses or people having other ideas that, um, you know, people just aren't listening. And this whole thing with Brett Kavanaugh just watching this, woman totally you know relatively composed acting like an adult and then Brett Kavanaugh acting just like a five-year-old or a three-year-old having a temper tantrum Mm -hmm. it's like well that's what a little kid does when he's guilty (laughs) like it's so obvious I mean it's just like clear as day there's no question that he's guilty and that she has uh, maturity, that she's intelligent, that, you know, given everything, she was really composed that, you know, but, but I look at that and I go, well, that wasn't about whether he was guilty or innocent. It was about power and control and the Republicans have the power so they can force through anybody they want and they will do that. And then it's okay. So this is going to piss a lot of people off. What are people going to do with that anger? Are they going to turn it into apathy? Or are they going to turn it into something more dignified where they start putting effort and time into creating change? Yes. It's it's going to turn into some of both depending on the person. But the more people that really recognize, okay, this this is the line that's been crossed that is going to lead me to 
do something about it. I'm just not, I'm not just going to complain about it on Facebook. I'm actually going to gather together with some people I know, or I'm going to go to a protest or I'm going to get out and make a difference politically. I'm going to put the time and energy in to uh, make the world a better place. You know, if I absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. People. uh, And, and so you know, I talk to people about that, you know, specifically about Facebook, because when people spend a lot of time on Facebook, it's like they're screaming into the abyss. Right? Yes. You can say whatever you want, but it's not actually going to make any difference. You really want to spend your time putting all this uh, emotional energy into nothing, because it's not serving anybody to be arguing on Facebook. If you want to make a difference, really stop and take the time to connect with your intelligence and your heart and figure out what can I do that will actually make a difference for me, uh, if you have kids, for my kids, uh, because there's an awful lot of people screaming over Twitter and and Instagram and everywhere else. and, and it's just drama. I mean, because when the anger takes us over, drama tends to be close at hand. And, you know, I, I don't want to fuel the drama in my life already, you know, more than I already have. I want to learn from <laughs> it. And, and really consciously choose what to do with my time and energy so that it benefits me and everybody around me. I think if we want to make a difference in the world, we make a difference in yourself first. That's where, yes. that's where your power is. It's where you, it's the only place your power really is. And it takes a lot of courage and commitment to really do that but then you can have a bigger impact on the world. I was uh, uh, working with a group of professional gamers the other day and uh, last month and, and, and they, they insult each other online. They have to play as a team, but they're all anonymous. So somebody makes a mistake and everybody beats the crap out of that person. Right, they all insult him, and this one guy says, "Well, it kind of feels good to do that. I mean, why act like an adult? <laughs> so, what's the point of acting like an adult then, when you can get away with this and nobody's gonna, you know, it's not really gonna make any difference?" I said, "Well, uh, hello, integrity." Yeah, yeah. Well, I said, at the end of the day, you get to walk away with dignity or you will carry shame at some level. You're going to carry some really toxic shame because you've been acting like an asshole. And often people will keep that shame secret and it'll just keep on coming out of us. So it won't just end with the online thing. You'll become bitter. You'll be contemptuous. You'll be condescending because that's what you're practicing. 
So you practice more of that and you become more of that. Or you hold yourself up with integrity and dignity and you walk through your life with some connection to your core values and you face the difficult thing. Then that's what you become. The choice is yours. Uh, It's just there's so many examples of people that are insulting and getting that zinger in and um and those are the things that seem to get the biggest airplay those are the things that get the most likes or clicks and so there's an awful lot of drama well that's a whole whole, yeah and that's a whole nother topic with the media and sensationalism and and all of that and I, I think it's interesting between, not that it's an either or, but this opportunity to express our anger in a clean way without losing some of the heat, because I think a lot of women have felt that it wasn't mm-hmm. okay to express their anger and they had to be more in the please and appease. Uh, and not saying that it's the onus on women that we have to strategically use our anger, but we do have a responsibility with our own consciousness to leverage our anger in a way that creates change and is authentic without necessarily reducing the heat, but adding a lot of consciousness to it so that it can be as effective as possible. Yes, it needs expression. And women's anger is needed in this world in a way that makes it a better place. And there's a lot to be angry about out there. And that anger can certainly fuel really amazing change. And I think it is. And sometimes it crosses the boundaries and, you know, historically, certainly, as as you mentioned, women didn't feel like it was, there was just so much shame in expressing anger. It meant that they were... And danger, too, sometimes. Sure. Yeah, definitely danger. And so how do you create a space where you can express that anger and it's safe? I think you need a, a, a good relationship, I mean, first of all, with yourself, but secondly, mm-hmm. with, with your partner. And to create that environment around you, I mean, there's so many workplaces that aren't very safe. No anger is allowed at all. Or it's expressed frequently without uh, any accountability. That's true. We need to be accountable to each other with our anger and accountable Mm -hmm. to ourselves. Yeah, and it's all something that a lot of people just don't want to talk about, or the only time they do talk about it, they're just, uh, you know, complaining. That that doesn't serve serve (laughs) either. I I totally agree. Yeah. There's a time and a place for a for a conscious rant, but it, mm-hmm. uh, you know there's there's a lot more of that going on out there in the world, and and the vast majority is not conscious. You know, mm-hmm. and, you know I I think uh, I think there's there's much more out there uh, these days that is valuing women's anger specifically, and so I think there's more men that are are hearing and and allowing themselves to really have empathy and compassion and connect 
last night I was running a group and and we do this exercise where we look at without judgment we look at the experience of the aggressor and we're imagining one person is just the aggressor and one is just the receiver of aggression and I never assign genders to either one because we've all been in both places mm -hmm. but of course yes. most of the guys are going to relate the receiver of aggression to their partner and we take the time to really discuss what happens before, during, and after uh, an abusive event in the home, what it feels like in their bodies, what's happening in their thoughts, what's happening, you know, through, through the, the timeline of it all, the, the, the shame, the fear, the sadness, the disappointment. Because if they can really connect with all of what happens, they feel it themselves. And literally, when we talk about that as well, what does it feel like in your body right now? And somebody will say, well, it feels pretty heavy. I say, well, that's good, because it means you're, you're feeling it. Not that I want you to feel bad, but if we're talking about something really difficult where you've hurt somebody, you're supposed to feel bad. It's healthy to yes. feel the shame and the sadness and and uh, the the hurt that you caused the other person and the hurt that it causes yourself to know that you did that and because mm -hmm. the more we can feel all that and connect to it the less likely we are to do it again and so it takes some courage it's a difficult session for the guys to really uh, look at all that and we look at the impact on children and have a whole conversation about that because the more uh, men and women are, are able to put themselves in other people's shoes and feel what they feel, the less likely, you know, it's like the more informed they are. So they're less likely to choose that path because they start to go down that path and go, oh, I know what happens when I, if I keep on going down this path. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to harm them. You know, it is with. I'm uh, so refreshed. Hmm. I'm so refreshed just hearing that this is the work that you're doing and helping people come in contact with their shame and the part of them that's compassionate. I think a lot of women listening to this will be relieved knowing that men are doing this work. Yeah, and a, and a lot more needs to be done very clearly. I feel like we're. Yes just touching the edge. And one of the things that moves and inspires me is that men are, for the most part, are open to these conversations. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't matter what their background is, whether they're some multi-millionaire or they're a doctor or a lawyer or a longshoreman or a construction worker or, you know, whatever the background is, an accountant they're all going through the, the same things and they sit in rooms together or, I mean, we see a lot of people individually as well, but in the groups, they feel each other going through all this and they hear each other and they're, and they hear each other working on things that has a positive impact on the people around them. They witness the struggles of other men and they're supportive and they're kind to each other. Uh, for the most part, there's a couple anomalies here, and there, <laughs> but it's like men are really open and ripe for this. 
they they want it and um and so i i just feel really grateful to be uh creating a, a space where that can that can happen me too and thank you for doing that work so as we kind of wrap up i'm curious alistair what brings you joy what brings you pleasure this is something i ask every guest on the show uh well um i happen to be married to a very lovely uh woman alejandra who runs the women's group and we uh mm-hmm. and we do lots together and and every christmas we go to ecuador and that's always inspiring but we get out into nature and our backyard is so wild and crazy <laughs> um uh mm-hmm. you know there's tremendous hiking uh in our area and so we make sure we get out into nature and we walk uh along the ocean and we make sure that we do things that inspire us uh i have uh, a couple of kids that are 19 and 17 that i make sure that i spend time with and we and we really connect on a you know like we're intentional do we do it perfectly? Not a hope in hell, but <laughs> we do, we do take the time to really gaze lovingly into each other's eyes and sit together and hug and hold each other and mm. make sure that we, we do, you know, that, that love gets to move between us uh, on a daily basis. I think that's, you know, some, where some of the biggest inspiration comes from, and we both get inspired from our work. But um, yeah, we both need to get out into nature uh, together and and separately. And um, yeah, there's there's lo- there's lots of things, uh, but uh, making sure that we're living in life in a way that feels like it has some sort of purpose and meaning. Mm-hmm. And thank you for sharing those connection yeah. rituals too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, uh, you know, I, I think it's all art, you know, and it's all an art and it's really beautiful when we connect and, and do it well, whether we're at home or we're getting on into the nature or doing sports or doing yoga or, or, or what have you, uh, meditating every day. Um, almost every day, let's be real. And, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's lots of stuff. It's just making sure that we take the time to, to do those things. And uh, so many people that come our way haven't been doing those things. So we encourage them to, for sure. Mm. Thank you for doing that. And thank you for sharing your wisdom, your perspective the examples from your work. I really appreciate the depth of your knowledge and the body of work that you've done. It's, it's really inspiring. And I know a lot of people will be grateful and will be learning a lot as they listen to this. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for the, for the conversation and, uh, and uh, being my friend and, you know, I know that you're on a, a courageous journey in life yourself. And I really appreciate what you do. Thank you, Alistair. Thank you, Bob. 
Thanks for tuning in and turning on for Healthy Love, because better relationships mean more power, more creativity, and a better planet. I'm here to end the suffering of abuse and loneliness, and it starts with you. Please subscribe to my show and leave a review. If you want more love, pleasure, and power in your life, go to violetlang.com forward slash talk. That's violetlang.com forward slash talk to sign up for a free Breakthrough to Love call. These are special deep dives only for women who are committed and ready for lasting love. If that's you, book your time now with me or my team.